Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Tuesday, February the 2nd, 2021. And on today's podcast, we're going to preview the Kentucky-Missouri basketball game, the one that was scheduled for Tuesday night, but it's been pushed back to Wednesday. It's a 7 o'clock start in Columbia. ESPN2 has the coverage. Uh, Kentucky had some COVID issues over the weekend, which forced cancellation of their game, big uh, the SEC Big 12 Challenge game against Texas in also moved the uh, Missouri game back from Tuesday to Wednesday, but it's still going to be played, as I said, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock on ESPN2. To get our Missouri scouting report, I talked with our good friend Suichi Tirada of the Kansas City Star, who covers Missouri athletics. And for the UK angle, I talked with Brad Taylor of WLXG 1300 ESPN Radio right here in Lexington. So let's not waste any more time. Let's go first with Suichi Tirada and then with Brad Taylor. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is a friend of the pod, our good friend Suichi Tirada from the Kansas City Star, covers Missouri Athletics. How's it going, Suichi? I'm good. I'm good. Covering the basketball team, which hasn't happened in a while for Mizzou, so it's, uh, it's, it's fun times here in Como. <laughs> so is it an adjustment when you're covering a basketball team that hasn't been doing too well, and then all of a sudden they're doing really well as a, as a sports writer, as a beat reporter? Do you have to adjust your game as well? <laughs> I don't think too much. It, it, I do the same thing. I think the players are doing it a little differently. I think the fans, there's a lot more fan input, though, which is uh, always a lot of fun on Twitter yeah. and do that and all that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, we yeah we oh yeah you love it when they get the fans involved. No, we do love it when the fans get involved. That's that has its pluses and minuses, of course. Well, what sweetie, what what were the expectations for this Missouri team coming into this season? Yeah, so outside expectations were were really low. Uh, I believe they were picked tenth. They were picked to finish tenth at the SEC, which I think if if you ask anybody around the program, anybody who knew anything about the program, they would say was way lower than what they thought they could do. And I think there was cautious optimism coming into this year just because of, of what of who and what they brought back in the sense that one, you have so many, so, so many upperclassmen who we are seeing playing well right now and, and you have guys who really you were looking you you were looking forward to seeing them finally make the next step as seniors. And I'm talking about guys like Drew Smith and Jeremiah Tillman. And, and the fact is, John, the thing, I think people who don't follow Mizzou religiously, and I can't blame them, is just the fact that they've had so many injuries over the past few years. 
I remember last year was Jeremiah Tillman. He he played in the Kentucky game, which I believe was the SEC opener for both teams, and, and he essentially had to be shut down for the next two weeks. And uh, you know, two years ago was a Jonte Porter, three years ago was a Michael Porter Jr. So you know, this program and this team under Conzo Martin, who's in his fourth season, has just been ravaged by injuries. So I think when you going into the season, there was a lot of okay. Mizzou has the pieces. What can it do with the pieces? And and and, and secondly, like, can they stay healthy? And then obviously, all of those things have happened. Uh, fingers crossed for Mizzou's sake, um, you know, going forward and everything. But I I think they they played great in the non-conference, and now they've kind of had an up and down SEC uh, conference play so far. But but all things are trending in the right direction for Mizzou right now. Yeah, they're eleven and three overall, four and three in the SEC. As you said, kind of up and down, but they have some really good wins especially that win in Tennessee uh, last week. And the SEC Big 12 Challenge over the weekend, they kind of came back from the dead in that one uh, um, to beat TCU. What what happened in the game? How were they able to turn it around late in that game and, and pull out the win in overtime over TCU? <laughs> I honestly couldn't tell you. It was uh, it was crazy what the turnaround was. TCU had all the momentum. They were up 12 with about 4.30 to play and just the way TCU was playing and how easy they could get to the Buckeye. I really thought Mizzou was done, and obviously they came back the first OT, uh, courtesy of Xavier Pinson and Jeremiah Tillman. But it, it it was kind of a, you know, I, I kept saying all throughout the game, I'm like, you guys, you know, string together like five stops and your offense is humming, see what can happen. That's essentially what happened near the end there. I think that there, there needed to be a little luck uh, just because, you know, that's just the way it is when you're coming back and, and all those things. But they got it done. Uh, you know, we just talked to the players a few minutes ago, and, Drew Smith, one of their captains and leaders, said, you know, they, they kind of understand that they uh, escaped a little bit with that win. So uh, I, I think they're kind of re- ready to, you know, flip the page and, and get going against the Kentucky team. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Xavier Pinson. He's having, looks like he's having a really good year, leads Missouri in scoring. Uh, what's been the key for him uh, this year? Is he just kind of taking the next step, or uh, did people expect this from him? Yeah, I think people absolutely expected this from him. You know, it's it's crazy. It's uh, it's unfortunate that Zealand Kentucky only played once and it was the first game, but they had Xavier Pinson game one of FCC play and game 18 of FCC play last season were completely different players. And, and the stats that Mizzou likes to use, I believe over the last eight games, Pinson actually averaged about 18.8 points per game. So he really turned it on in the second half of FCC play. So coming in this year, I think people, people were – kind of wondering like what what can Pinson kind of do this year what what can he kind of evolve into especially as an upperclassman especially as a guy who who's kind of coming into his own and we've seen time and time again that he he can be a deadly scorer and it was interesting he he made eight of 13 three-pointers against TCU which I don't think is going to happen every game but he hasn't been too much of an outside shooter uh throughout his career too much it's been both he's been mostly like an attacking point guard uh getting to the paint and, and using his quickness to get to kind of beat defenders off the dribble. So him, you know, going off for three was obviously a good sign from Mizzou, but it was a little bit different than what we saw. But if, if he could hit, reliably hit that outside shot, you know, I'm not even talking 40%, like a good 37, 38%, I think that really opens up what he can do on the court and and, and how, how much more successful he can be just because he can have on and off nights, uh, you know, based on the night and everything. And then also Jeremiah Tillman, uh, I know from the outside looking in, it seems like kind of the knock on him is, like you mentioned, about staying healthy, but also staying out of foul trouble. Looks like he's been able to do that this year. Is that right? Yeah, Tillman's, I mean, ever since SEC play started, he's just been essentially a machine. I forgot 
you know, I kind of lose count on, on his the sheer amount of double doubles he's had, and he obviously scored a career high against TCU last game, and and that's kind of the thing that's interesting about Jeremiah. Every time we talk to him, he he doesn't really care about the scoring numbers. Obviously, it's great, you know, when you score. Uh, I believe it was 33 for him. Uh, but his goal every game is to get 10 rebounds, and I think that kind of mindset is spilling onto the floor. And you know, it's it's. I'm glad you mentioned it, John, with foul trouble. Uh, Obviously, his first two years, they were, they were a huge detriment. They, they kept him off the court, even last year a little bit. Um, he, he got better at it, but not, but not to the point where it didn't affect him every few games. And, you know, he, he's been incredible in terms of just not – it's night and day, really, just to, just to see how he plays and, and, and what he looks like and how, how few fouls he get. I remember in the last game against TCU, I, I, I kind of jotted down just to see what it was, you know, what happened. But he picked up his first foul, at least. 42 seconds into the game, uh, into the game, according to my notes, and he didn't pick up a second until I wanted to the second half. So uh-huh. it's, he, yeah, so it's just, it's just not, you know, it's, it's really not the same player that Kentucky fans is who, you know, they've seen in the past few years. And, and he's been just absolutely dominant the past, you know, ever since SEC play started, like I mentioned. So, you know, if there's one player that you're going to look to stop, it's, it's going to be Tillman, I think, just because. He is so big. He is so strong. He is so, you know, he is so good, honestly, at this point. So it's uh, it's been a treat to watch his progression, really, you know. kind of It's cool watching, you know, an 18-, 19-year-old kid go into, you know, grow into a 22-year-old man. Yeah. Who, so who else, Suichi has played well for Missouri. Who else should uh, Kentucky fans look for uh, tomorrow night? <laughs> you know, the crazy thing is, John, we haven't talked as, as much about Drew Smith, who was a uh, – Mizzou's all SEC preseason all SEC pick, and I think that's just kind of who Drew is. And I was a big fan of his game just because he plays like an old, old man. You know, that's just yeah. the best way of going about it. Like he has a bunch of shot fakes, so you know, um, he'll he'll near the rim, especially. He's not an above the rim player by any means, but he'll still make a decent amount. He's a good shooter, very savvy. His change of pace, especially, is is I think what makes him so deadly against the center that you know at one point he's going so slow and his top speed i want to say is fast and he would agree with me you know as an xavier pinson but his change of pace really keeps defenders on edge and you know congo believes he's one of the best defenders in the sec uh, and, I, and i would agree with him just because of what he can do on ball and everything so he he's the one guy i think that especially if he can get you know he's been knocking out three corners recently so if he can get even a little bit hot and, and just keep up that production kind of under the radar. Uh, you know, it's funny because Drew will go for, you know, 15 points and five rebounds and three assists. And you'll kind of be like, you know, Drew Smith kind of had a, had, had, had quite a, kind of a quiet game. And you look at the boxer and you're like, Oh, okay, never mind. He didn't have a quiet game at all. So he's one of those players. Um, and, it, and the thing about Mizzou is that his depth is just so, so endless, especially at the wing position. I think uh, Mark Smith has been kind of struggling recently, but he's a guy who can, Make five threes all in one game. You're like, oh, there's a Mark Smith everybody knows that you know is a forty percent three point shooter. So, uh, like I said, he's been struggling, but he's another guy to kind of keep an eye on just because if he goes off from three, it's, it's very very hard to contend this Mizzou team. Okay, Sweetie, what what are the keys for Missouri tomorrow night to to beat Kentucky as Kentucky team that's been struggling, that's coming off some COVID issues? Uh, what does Missouri need to do uh, on Wednesday to get the win? Yeah, you know, when looking at the stats, obviously this isn't a Kentucky team that from from even last year, right? Um, 
And, and we know that, uh, you know, we're seeing that all across the nation as well. But, I mean, Kentucky, you look at the stats, they have a pretty good defense. I, I, I think that kind of matches up well against Mizzou. Uh, the knock on Mizzou has been, and we mentioned this too, they've kind of had a roller coaster season just because the defense has mostly been there throughout the season, but that offense is, is really the question mark just because when that offense, you know, it's not quite like last year. Like last year, I remember watching some Mizzou teams and Kaza, Kaza kind of admitted it's hard, it was hard to watch them at times last season. And and it you'll see spurts of that this year, I think. Uh, you'll see spurts of, you know, the three-point shot not falling. Just basically, you know, they, they only play out of the half court. When, when that happens and, and the offense kind of gets into a slog, whereas they've kind of mixed in a bit more transition stuff this year. So I think if Mizzou, if Kentucky can shut down that Mizzou offense I, I and kind of make it a little bit ugly, uh, make it, you know, lower positions, I think that's kind of the key to the game for Kentucky. And I think Mizzou will, will want to run it out a little bit more just because when you have a guy like Xavier Pinson and Jeremiah Tillman who's well into one, that uh, that makes them a lot more dangerous and leads to a lot easier buckets for them, which uh, I think can always kind of spark the offense a bit, especially one that, like I mentioned, can be kind of a slog uh, if, if, if kind of kept unchecked in some ways. Yeah, which, I mean, it's an interesting matchup. I mean, looks like Kentucky's been struggling, but Missouri's been playing well. Uh, you know, Kentucky needs uh, – they're they're really in desperate straits of even having a chance to get in the NCAA tournament. They need to beat as many ranked teams as they can going down the stretch of Missouri is 18th. But, uh, uh, but like you mentioned, Kentucky's played pretty – their defense has been pretty solid all year long, but as you mentioned, their offense has been definitely been uh, been the problem for Kentucky. Uh, so we'll see how they match up against Missouri. Uh, so we should remind our listeners how they can follow you on Twitter and online leading up to the game and uh, after the game. Yeah, follow me on Twitter, Suichi Tarada. Um, I won't spell it out here. I'm sure it'll be wherever you get your podcast, you can copy and paste it, wherever it is. Yeah, we'll have it in the show notes, yeah. And how can they find you online? <laughs> Uh, yeah, KansasCity.com slash sports. Uh, you know, shoot me an email. It's always fun to hear from opposing fan bases. Uh, usually it's KU fans in my emails because uh, <laughs> I am in Kansas City, but that's always a fun back and forth with uh, <laughs> KU fans. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Even though they're no longer in the same <laughs> conference, it's still that rivalry there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah i feel the brunt of it a lot of the time. I bet you do. I bet you do. Well, Suichi, as always, thanks again for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, John. Okay. Thanks to our friend Soichi Tirada of the Kansas City Star. And we'll be right back with Brad Taylor of WLXG 1300 in Lexington. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Okay, my guest on the podcast now is Brad Taylor, who is the host of the Bottom Line radio show, 9 a.m. Sunday mornings on WLXG 1300. Good friend of the pod. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing well, John Clay. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for uh, being on the podcast. Uh, we're going to talk uh, uh, Kentucky-Missouri here in a minute, but first let's talk about this Kentucky basketball team as a whole. From your perspective, Brad, what's the deal with this team? Well, uh, in Lexington, I can promise you I have a much different perspective. I come at it from a different angle, yes. from, a, from a handicapping perspective, so to speak. Like our friends in the desert, 
You look at Kentucky, they're 5 and 10 straight up. They're also 5 and 10 against the spread. Is that so right? It's not like, yes. So it's not like they're winning you uh, any tickets out in the desert, if you know what I mean. But they're playing uh, a lot good defense out in the desert. They hit under the total 11 out of 15 times this year. And uh, But, yes, Kentucky, a disappointment both on the court here at, uh, in Lexington and out in the desert, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so why are they a disappointment from, from the non-gambling perspective? Why, what, what, what's wrong with this team? Why, why aren't they doing any better than 5 and 10? Well, how much time you got? I mean, <laughs> we can sit here and talk about this forever. I think it looks that you look at experience now. Remember right. the last – can you go all the way back to the last Final Four two long years ago? You yes. look at all four of those teams in the Final Four. Of the 20 players that started in that Final Four – Two of them were freshmen. So that means, you know, you didn't have many freshmen in that starting field of those four teams. And you look at a team like Missouri tomorrow night, they start three seniors, they start two juniors. Look at Kentucky, they don't have that kind of experience. And history tells us, recent history tells us, experience is very important in these games, especially the top ten in minutes returning this year. Richmond was ninth. Georgia Tech was third. Missouri is sixth. The two of those teams have already beat Kentucky – one of them now is favored to beat Kentucky. So, I mean, but Kentucky's had young teams before. I mean, this isn't the first time. I mean, Cal's got a lot of new players this year, obviously, and a couple of those guys are transfer transfer players. But he's had young teams before, and they've been able to overcome that. How come they haven't been able to overcome it this year? Does he know who to play, though? <laughs> I mean, have we? does he know the right lineup to put? We all know the Dante Allen situation. and it, yeah. Even when I was a kid, the kids that were from Kentucky always struggled to kind of get on the court, almost seemingly because they were from Kentucky. But I don't think Calipari knows what lineup works and what lineup doesn't work just by looking at numbers and looking at the players that are on the court. A lot of times the wrong players are playing if you just look at the numbers. Yeah, yeah. It seems like stuff that's worked for Cal in the past, for whatever reason, is not working this year. He's not been able to find that lineup. He's not been able to find the style of play. I mean, they just can't put the ball in the basket. Isn't that the number one problem with this team? It is the number one problem with this team. And you look at the game tomorrow night, like the Missouri game, both these teams tomorrow night are in the bottom 50 in America in three-point field goal percentage. So it's kind of a game where you look at it and you see, okay, Neither one of these teams shoot the three-pointer very well. You're looking at a defensive game tomorrow night as well. So is there any chance that they can turn it around between now and the end of the season? Is there any chance? There's a chance. I mean, you know, like dumb and dumber. So you're telling me there's a chance. Of course, there's always a chance. Is there a reasonable chance? How about that? Is there a reasonable chance? After they uh, somehow mysteriously canceled that Texas game last weekend, (laughs) Uh, that's another story for another day. Uh, they have a chance because the schedule lightens up a little bit. Yeah, they have Missouri, and then they have two against Tennessee, but the rest of the schedule is somewhat favorable, a lot uh, better than it is, has been in the last couple of weeks. But, yeah, if they even if they sweep the board the rest of the way, they're 14-10. and 10. Right. That's, not an, that's not an NCAA tournament team. They still have to play that SEC tournament and win that SEC tournament just to make it in, and we don't even know if they're going to have an SEC tournament this year. Well, that's true. The closer we get to it, there's more talk about that they may scrap the conference tournaments so that teams can have a chance anyway of being COVID-free going in the NCAA tournament. What, what about what about COVID in, from a betting perspective from the people out there in the desert? Has that made it really difficult to bet on college basketball this year? 
well, it's never difficult to bet on college basketball. But well, to I, win, is, to yeah. win on oh. college bet, to win your bet, to get money back on college basketball. Right. Uh, home court advantage has been very, very minuscule. I mean, yeah. it's been a very small thing. Home court advantage. You look at a team like Duke in the past. You have to the Vegas. They would put six, seven points added to Duke if they're in a the home court. But now, with no fans there, how much is that home court advantage? It's nothing now, basically. So it's it's a big difference in college basketball because there's no other sport where the home court and the home field means more than in college basketball. So yeah, it's made a different, a big difference in terms of home court advantage. And now teams are on a much even playing, more even playing surface with these road teams not really having to deal with crowds. What about okay? So you got you got a Kentucky team that's five and ten straight up, and they're five and ten as you said against the spread, right? So yes. if you so if you're if you're a better is is that a team that you stay away from when they have that kind of record, or do you bet against them because they have that kind of record? I mean, how, how do you treat a team that's five and ten against the spread at this point of the season? The goal of the desert is always to get even action on both sides. Right. And they also want to kind of have, if their dream is by the end of the season, they want every team 50% against the spread. So that way they make a profit no matter what happens. Right. So when I look at a team like Kentucky, that's 5-10 and 10 against the spread, that's a team that I look to kind of take later on because the public will say, look at Kentucky. Man, they're terrible this year. I'm going to bet against them no matter what. Well, there's always a kickback to that. That's why by the end you kind of see these teams, you know, kind of making a comeback against the spread. I look at a team like Gonzaga. They're sitting at 16, or excuse me, 17 and 0 right now, but they're 8 and 9 against the spread this year. Really? And that's a lot of a lot of people don't see that kind of thing. So you people say, "Oh, yeah, Gonzaga, bet on them every night." No, if you have, you've lost money. So yeah, the the goal is to have all these teams hit 50% against the spread. So Kentucky, if you look at it as a big picture, yeah, you'd want to kind of look at a team like taking Kentucky going forward because the public has said this team is terrible. I'm not going to bet on them the rest of the year. Okay, so uh, what? We're a little over a month away from Selection Sunday uh, before the tournament. Who 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 do you like in college basketball? Who are the team you mentioned? Gonzaga. Is there a dark horse? Is there a team that you like at this point in the season? Well, it's hard to go against Gonzaga and Baylor right now. I mean, right. they've both been so good, and you know, and Baylor. You talk about a team. Uh, they've actually Baylor sitting at sixteen and zero, but they're twelve and four against the spread. Really? So they have overachieved. So they have done better as well out in the desert, whereas Gonzaga hasn't. Yeah, if you look at dark horse teams, kind of a, a non-power five team, you look at a team like Houston, who is covering spreads and winning games early. I mean, they're beating teams double digits. And it's not even funny. And a team kind of like uh, Virginia, because I always love Virginia and how they play, and people underestimate them. And they're going to kind of come around the chicken coop, so to speak, because, you know, they had some big losses. Gonzaga ran them out of the building early, but they've been playing well lately. I always like Virginia because in the tournament, and this goes out in the desert as well, you love those defensive teams in the tournament. And uh, so many times Virginia has disappointed in the tournament, but now they're after they won one, maybe they're ready to turn things around. But defensively, those are the things you look for in the NCAA tournament, especially early rounds, those defensive teams. Why? Why, why are defensive teams good in the tournament? Because uh, they cover point spreads. And you okay. look at some of the things I always do, you look at these in the first few rounds of the tournament, where are the upsets? They're usually teams that play slow pace with a defensive edge, and they're small favorites because the desert's trying to tell you, hey, this team is nearly as bad as you think they are. 
So invariably, if you're looking for these first-round upsets, you always want to look for teams with slow pace. We always talk about Ken Pomeroy all the time. We mm-hmm. love to reference Ken Pomeroy. When you see a team with uh, 70 or less possessions a game, that's a team you really want to look at in terms of where is a defensive team playing. Look at those possessions per game and somebody who limits teams on defense in terms of field goal percentage. Those are teams you look at in the tournament early and early on as far as pulling upsets. Okay, I'm going to switch subjects on you, and I don't want to steal any of your thunder because I'm sure you're probably going to talk about this on your show on Sunday. But what what about the Super Bowl? Is the Super Bowl a good bet this year? Well, in the history of the Super Bowl, let's go back 30 years. You always talk about fading the public, and the desert is always the winner. Out of the last 30 Super Bowls out in the desert, if you just faded the public and went against who the public had the most money on, you're 28 and two. So right now. A majority of the money is on Kansas City out in the desert. A majority of the tickets are on Kansas City. If you go by that, 28 out of 30 times, you should take Tampa Bay getting those three, and hopefully by game time, three and a half points out in the desert. That's what I would do, simply for the reason that I'm just going to try to fade the public because 28 out of the last 30 times, the public has been wrong trying to pick the Super Bowl out in the desert. Yeah, I'll follow that. I'll take Tampa Bay in those three, three and a half points. Since we, that, that makes me think of another question. Since we're going through COVID, people can't go anywhere. They, I mean, they game, you know, they're not out and about like they're like you know you normally would be, and so forth. Has that me? Has that meant more betting on sports or less betting on sports? It's been a lot more betting on sports. Really, they're talking about the Super Bowl may not have as much action this year. But in terms of, you know, there's so many more states now that have it. There's about 25 states right now that have it. Virginia just started two weeks ago with sports betting. And the shame about it is Kentucky, we have seven border states in Kentucky. Five of of them have sports betting right now. And the other two are probably going to pass it sometime this year where Kentucky is still just walking in the mud, just having a political debate on it all the time. So, yeah, there's more and more people are betting on sports. And if you want to do it legally, I mean, you know, you can just drive down to Tennessee right over the border, get on your phone and do it if you want to do it legally. Absolutely, yeah. Right. Okay, let's go back to Kentucky, Missouri before we wrap this up. Has there been a line set on the game yet? The line is Missouri is a four-point favorite, total 135 out in the desert, John Clay. So do you like – who who do you like in that situation? A lot of these uh, opportunities, we kind of look at trends. Uh, we do it on my show all the time. Right. When you look at Quanto Martin in his days at Missouri, when he's an SEC home favorite, that's eh, about a coin flip. He's 10-9 and nine against the spread in those days. But John Calipari, when he's on the road and he's an underdog in the SEC, it rarely works out well for him. Really? In 21 games, he's 7-14 and 14 against the spread when he's an SEC road underdog, including 1-2 and two this year. Uh, in terms of the four-point spread, Ken Pomeroy says Missouri will win this game 69-65. It's not one I'm looking. If I had to take anybody, I'd probably take Missouri uh, giving up four in this one. But I'm kind of looking at that under in this one, like we talked about earlier, two teams that really can't shoot three-pointers very well, and that number is 135. I'll go under the total in that one and then see a little defensive game. But I wouldn't be shocked if Missouri uh, won this game and won it pretty handily. Really? Okay. Uh, okay, Brad, this is the point in the thing where uh, point in the podcast where you, you get to plug your show. Talk about your show. Uh-oh. How uh, you how long has it been going on now? And, and, and this type of stuff that we just talked about is a lot of what you talk about on your show, correct? Yeah, we uh, it's the bottom line with Brad Taylor Sunday mornings at nine on ESPN Radio 1300 92.5 here in Lexington. Uh, we tackle sports talk from a, a handicapping perspective. We don't look at it 
as we're like we're a fan. We're just kind of trying to pick winners out in the desert. And uh, we've been on since last summer. Uh, the good folks over at LM Communications have uh, really supported our show because, you know, people, let's just face it, even though it's not legal in Kentucky, people bet on sports. It's just right. how it is. Whether you're Johnny Seven out in the desert picking every game every night or whether you're Mars from accounting trying to win your $2 office pool for the brackets, everybody's got a, everybody's got a stake in a lot of these games. So we kind of tackle it from that perspective. And I'm very happy to say, since we're the voice of the NCAA tournament at ESPN Radio, we'll have wall-to-wall, gavel-to-gavel coverage of the, all the games on our station, that you, John Clay, will be joining us uh, for our Bracketology Spectacular with you and me. We're going head-to-head, toe-to-toe, <laughs> taking the bracket. On Tuesday, on Tuesday, March the 16th, you're laughing because I know you're very much looking forward to us you know, going fist-to-fist in that one. So, yes, uh, make sure to check that out. Tuesday, March 16th on ESPN Radio. John Clay and I going toe-to-toe picking these brackets. That's right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting my butt kicked is what it, what it, what it comes down to. Oh, stop. <laughs> We know you had Texas Tech two years ago to make the Final Four because you won't let anybody forget about that. That's why we still remember <laughs> That's right. that you picked Texas Tech to make the Final Four two years I, ago. I I, yeah, I should have mentioned that in the introduction, but I, I, I forgot. I'm glad you brought that up. Thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate that. I'm, sh- I'm shocked it's not on your Twitter bio right there. I picked Texas Tech to make the Final Four. Okay. I, I, that's good. I'm glad you reminded me. I'll have to add it to my Twitter bio. So, Okay, well, Brad, how can they, fi- how can they find you on Twitter? Find us on Twitter at Bottom Line Lex, and uh, make sure to listen to us Sunday morning at nine. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective on ESPN Radio thirteen hundred ninety two point five. Yeah, be sure and check out Brad's show. It is like you said, it's a different show with a different perspective. It's definitely worth listening to, especially if you have even if you. I think even if you don't have an interest in gambling, it's just interest. It's interesting to hear the take. And as we've said before, and you've said before, they don't have those big buildings out in Vegas for nothing. They know what they're talking talking about out there. So be sure and check out Brad's show. And Brad, thank you very much for being on the podcast. As always, John Clay, thank you so much, my friend. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks to my guests, Soichi Tirada of the Kansas City Star and Brad Taylor of WLXG 1300 right here in Lexington. Be sure and check out all of their work. Be sure and check all of our work at Kentucky.com. Remember, you can get a sports-only digital subscription to Kentucky.com. It's $30 for the first year. You get all of our UK football, UK basketball, UK recruiting, our high school coverage. You get our columns, all of our sports coverage on Kentucky.com. $30 for the first year. Go to Kentucky.com. Hit the subscription button. Check out all of our subscription offers. Again, we appreciate everybody who supports our work at Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. I uh, appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast and support the podcast. Thanks to uh, everybody who's given us a rating and review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. We sure appreciate everybody who follows us uh, on Twitter, who follows me on Twitter. You can follow me at John Clay IV. If you want to send me an email, my email address is jclay at herald-leader.com. Thanks again to Suichi Tirada and Brad Taylor. Thanks again to everybody who's who listens to the podcast, and we'll be talking to you again soon.